gente, you are now listening to Loose Accents, an immigrant podcast for the press and unbothered. Loose Accents covers the issues, stories, and topics that make your local public school librarian and your favorite drag queen pressed about your life. We are two cute-ass immigrants celebrating the looseness of our tongues and our identities. Ernesto is from LA. I'm from Bronx, New York. Our goal is liberation. We are manifesting basically a white, unoppressed, unbothered life. Chancla-wearing man. Yes. Who goes <laughs> hiking on Sundays. And we are holding down space in South Central at the Homie Studio once again to bring you a very exclusive, once-in-a-lifetime conversation with the very fashionable, multi-talented, poetic empress herself, Yosimar Reyes, also known as Yossi. So grab your jalapeño kettle chips. I'm doing that. Your dulce de guayaba. Mm-hmm. Your diet Pepsi. Because we have a show for you. I am Dangeli. And I am Undocube. And girl, do we have a show. Happy Pride, y'all. Happy Pride. Yossi, what's up? Ew, hi, how's everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> Tiene vergüenza la niña. Tiene vergüenza. I haven't warmed up yet, girl. I gotta take it slow. Girl, how have you been celebrating Pride? Tell us. Tell uh, us. By waking up every day, looking in the mirror, being amazing. I don't know. It's, I love the month of June. I love that it's summer in L.A. I mean, it's been hot these two couple of days, you know, but we're a tropical people, so we have to adjust. Um, but I don't know. I just love, yeah. I, and all the gays are out. Brunch is popping everywhere. I have For so many brunch. That's true. Okay, girl. Can we talk about how Yossi goes to brunch? Have you seen how he just goes to brunch like just chilling with his cute ass hats baby i see him in brunch in different states every other week (laughs) today is las vegas yeah the next one he's you know somewhere in up like what is it upstate not upstate you guys don't say upstate in the bay in the bay Bay. yeah 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 yeah. how was vegas by the way oh my god vegas was cute i love vegas i don't know it just really it was a cute little like Vegas trip with all the girls, all the mm-hmm. gays packed into a car, poolside. you know, poolside, sipping on whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It was cute. I don't really like going inside the pool. I just go to dip my feet to in. To be cute. Okay, <laughs> hold on. Wait, well, well, why is that? She- be- I don't like getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why. This is why I can't hang out with you. I just can't. Oh, no. Everyone saw the look. So Vegas was cute. It was it was a, a lot of fun. Okay, in the past episodes, Dangeli has always been really. Uh, she, she was mad because it was raining. Remember, it was raining for like two, three I'm weeks. I'm fed up. Like I didn't move here for this. And so you feeling better? And finally, the weather is better. The sun is out. The men are out. Mm. Oh my the, god! Uh, they're wearing crop tops. They're wearing button down, and then you know they let loose a few little buttons with, with the, the chain hair. at the bottom. You know, and the hair like, popping. Exactly. They be out here standing on the corner with a little four logo. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> the melanin okay. is out. Okay, so so in your neighborhood, so I used to live right there on First and Soto. Uh-huh. You know that little that liquor store. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yo, that liquor store closes down like what after at ten at ten, girl. But they have the gate open. It's <laughs> locked. They hand you the liquor through the through the lock this is so crazy to me that like because you can't sell liquor here after a certain time right well no you can't it's just that liquor store closes at 10 so you go you're like yo let me get a four loco and so the homie goes gets the four loco gives it to you you can't trust nobody in these streets girls so i'm gonna lock the door yeah well actually they do that in new york bodegas so uh uh, like around like but it's later like 2 a.m they all like close the main door and then they have like a little window well they can't sell liquor here after two Mm mm-hmm Oh, okay. In New York, it's, it's after care. 4. 4 a.m., yeah. And even, even clubs. Four. Clubs don't close in New York until 4 a.m. I've gotten right. kicked out at 4 a.m. in the past. Oh, that's Vegas. That's not, that's not who I am anymore. Mom. If <laughs> <laughs> she's listening to this radio station, right? The radio station. Yeah, well, we're so excited to have you on the show, Yossi. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, this has been a long time coming. This is our sixth episode, and we're excited to have you to yeah. talk a little bit about your work. But first, we want to start about how we first met you, girl. So I got some stories, honey. Hmm. You ready? <laughs> so um, I want to start because... Okay, she wants to La Yossi does not remember how she met me. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me get my kettle chips. We so, met at a poetry so, reading. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so even before right, we started right. recording, I'm like, do you even remember? And he's like, oh, um, in WeHo, I was like, no, baby. <laughs> That was the second time. The first time she I met so you. She was so cute. I remember. I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Mm-hmm. I want to be you. I was young. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, danger. That was like eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Freshly arrived to LA. Yeah, that's true. Freshly uh-huh. arrived. I actually met you at downtown LA Pride in Girl. September. How gone were you? Were you there Ooh. or were you not? Girl, I had popped the Molly. So <laughs> I was sweating. <laughs> I ran into you. By the like by the bathroom because they're not bathrooms. See, see, los baños porque estaba esperando mis friends because they're always peeing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You were waiting for them, and I went up to you. I'm like, hi, I know who you are. I'm here fangirling. Fangirling. Como cuando conocí a Julio. Right next to the bathroom. Fangirling. Stop. So I'm like, hi, um, oh my God. I know who you are, and you're like, uh, huh? uh, hey, you look like you were sweating though. Oh my God. You look like you had gone through it. Exposed. And I was like, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate your work, and you're like. Oh my god, thank you. And then I'm like, She oh. was spotted. Yeah, she was spotted. <laughs> but one of the fans. You know what? That happens to me frequently. So now I get really scared because, you know, I'm a party girl. I feel like there's this idea that poets burn incense and we're out mm-hmm. here, Erica, about doing it with these crystals and all of that, which I appreciate. But I mean, my medicine is in ratchetness. So if you meet me in those kind of environments, just know that that's what you're going to get. Like, right. you're not going to get a metaphor. It's like, what? Did they expect that <laughs> he you... He said you're not going to get a metaphor. <laughs> okay. But you're going to get messy. Play, messy. play this for me. If you were to give me a metaphor at the club, what would it sound like? <laughs> a metaphor? Uh, a I metaphor. got an ass so big like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you had that ready. I feel like that had been ready for a that's while. That's a Trina lyric that I Yo, live by. <laughs> I love that. So there you go, that jelly. So there oh you go. Oh my god, and I then, apologize for that. But then the second time was at WeHo, where you were actually also messy. Yeah, I was messy. I was like, but oh I god, was messy that girl. day too. That was after. That was after our brunch. Then we were. You guys were pretty, going. You were on your way to the Abbey. Let me just say that. That that probably oh sounds true. You guys were on your way to the Abbey. I, wasn't it in front of the Abbey? You were in front of the Abbey. I was oh. like, Ooh, girl, let me walk by. For those of you who have no LA context, Google the Abbey and search Google Images. Ooh, yes. <laughs> uh, the it's fir- the whitest. Uh-huh. Like yes, and it's whitest, mostly men, like, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, oh my God, the Abbey that day, I went into the wrong bathroom. <laughs> And I saw a bunch of men peeing for the first time. Oh, yeah, they don't care. I was like, oh, my God. I looked a little bit, you know, because I just wanted to, you know, just see. She's like, I came to see the drippage. (laughs) Came through. Drip, drip. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's like one of many, Uh like, days in West Hollywood. Jesus. Well, as we're celebrating Pride Mm -hmm. Month uh, here in L.A., there's been so many crazy, amazing festivities. But also, we want to just celebrate because I feel like for me, when we're talking about like uh, pride, yes, it's like the whole parties and the whole like gallivanting all around the city. But for me, it's just really about like friendships with other gay folks, right? Mm-hmm. Like what are the kinds of friendships that you're able to generate uh, and also to support other folks like yourself in doing your art. Um, so I want to take it a, a step back and talk about how I first met you or heard of you. Oh, girl, these streets were talking, honey. I know. Yes, honey. And they talk so loud that I heard you all the way to freaking Arizona. You were in Arizona? Yeah, girl. I was in that country. So in 2016, <laughs> let me take y'all uh, a couple years back. 2016, I was in Arizona. We were canvassing for the freaking presidential election. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, obviously, you know, everybody lost and Trump became president. So that night, my homegirl, Madeleine, shout outs to my homegirl. She was like, yo, I just, I need you to start looking up Yossi. And I was like, why? Like, who is, who is he? What is he doing? He's like, this is important for undocumented folks to just be with one another and to just hear what we have to say. And from that point, I, I, I found you online and I just straight up stalked you and just was looking up at your videos. And that was the first time that you were like talking about undocu joy. <laughs> right just like saying we have to be out here like we're undocumented and then more so more so now than ever we just have to be joyful about this shit and and at first it was just seeing all your ratchetry which <laughs> i loved <laughs> and i, I call hooked. it poetry poetry <laughs> <laughs> i love that yes. <laughs> that's been actually i've been using that like we, we need to do a collective <laughs> yeah a yeah. poetry collective yeah we're all hoes from all different backgrounds come together yeah. Right about for it. one purpose to hoe and right. to hoe and, and, and right uh, uh, as presented at Cal State LA next <laughs> summer 
<laughs> the Hoetry Collective. The Hoetry Collective. So, girl, I, I want to take you back to that moment. But, like, in, in, in 2016, what sort of was your impetus to say, yo, like, I'm just going to go full out from this mm -hmm. moment on? Well, we were watching the presidential election at, um, where's that place up there? Donde hacen las micheladas. No more. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. They were having a viewing party for elections, and it so happened that all the undocumented people were there. Yeah. So we're like, okay, this is the spot. You know, the Democrats watch it together, the Republicans watch it together, the undocumented watch people watch it together. So we're here. So we were all there watching it, and you know what? We were, um, you know, we were amazed at the fact that this country hates undocumented people so much that they rather throw the country away than give people some sort of wow. opportunity. And that's mm. what it came down to. I was like, damn, y'all hate us so much, right? And then I remember after that, we were so disappointed. We couldn't believe that this country, because it was Hillary and him, right? Right, right, right. And even Hillary, girl, you know, whatever. But, you know, it was just more like, damn, I can't believe that that's how much the hatred and the ignorance of undocumented people that you rather burn the whole country down than have some sort of understanding of who we are and what we contribute. So after that, I shifted my perspective. I was like, listen, <clears throat> I feel like undocumented people get positioned to educate all the time. Like we're yeah. always mm -hmm. like, yep. yeah, this is what DACA is. This is what mm -hmm. AB 540 This uh, It's this constant. And I got tired of that. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. If you are someone that is out here saying you don't like undocumented people because they don't have a social, like you need to go to therapy. You need to seek that out because I can't help you with that. And instead of that, I'm going to focus on my people and showing them love and writing poems for them and hyping them up and that's when I was like, listen, the only thing we can do here is not let this country rob us of our joy. If it takes you getting cute, going to the club, twerking on somebody, then right. that's what it takes. And that's the medicine that you need. And that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I want to showcase, you know, and also make fun of it. Because if you're being a document, it could be funny. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what I saw, that it was like you were using your personal life to say, like my personal life is extremely political and I'm going to be as political as shit by being just joyful. Like, You know what I'm saying? Like. 2016 there was no coming back from that and you know a, a funny thing about that is that for 2016 for me that's when i came up with the name on mm. like it was immediately after the election that um the the idea of just being undocumented before and after that particular election so that's the bae mm -hmm. like that's why i did it because I, I followed folks like you and other folks who were saying you know what like we're just gonna love ourselves more hug each other a little bit tighter and we're just gonna be out here living our best lives also like if people don't find joy in this administration like how do you survive it oh. like when you're constantly being watching the news when you're constantly like ingesting all this like oh all this madness yeah. right um how do you how do you survive an organization that is constantly kind of like me messing with your mental health you you find joy you go to the <clears> club <throat> you read you you know you take trips wherever you can mm -hmm. you go to las vegas and you get drunk by the pool Hello. you know mm -hmm. yeah you it's, those, it, it's those things and like going back to what you were saying about pride being like a celebration of you finding your friends it's not it's like finding support within each other and yes. like oh my god I can, you know for example right now we're sitting here if this would have not happened if we were not vocal about being undocumented right because we're right. supposed to be all shy and hide or embarrassed about our situation that i think that's what the phenomena of us being vocal about this work is that there's i always say this there's nothing beautiful about being undocumented nothing at all no if there's one beautiful thing about it is that we all found each other mm -hmm. and then we all create our own support groups and our own networks and now we're out here celebrating each other and rooting for one another you know like well, I, I see I have so many undocumented fr I, I joke all the time I have so many undocumented friends I should work for ICE um, <laughs> give but, them away one by one <laughs> but it's beautiful to see them win because I know yeah. the barrier that it takes to get that for them when they graduate from college when they take up a new job opportunity in these big organizations when they're mobilizing it's beautiful to see because I know how hard it took to get there right. especially with us yeah. that came from nothing you know like as an undocumented person it's really really hard and you know what i think about a lot all the undocu babies that are now graduating high school or that are entering high school and don't have access to daca don't have access to a lot of like um what like we ended up having mm -hmm. access to right at some point so i think about them right and how now we live in obviously in, a, in an age of social media something that we didn't have access to when i was in high school i didn't have access to right. other undocumented folks being like unapologetic so i think about all those babies that now have access to the content that undocufos are creating yeah. um, and can find themselves in the work and can say, 
I can be undocumented, but I can also have joy. I can also um, succeed. I can also go tour with my art. And I can see myself in different positions because I see other folks who are doing it as well. Right. So I always look back right to them, right? What do they have to look up to? And it, it really fills me with joy that they have this undocumented like generation, yeah. right? The it, older ones. So, so, so some of the things that you said, you'll see like the idea of like this shit is hard. We're not going to paint any pictures like but this is this is really difficult work and we're going to do it with with grace. We're going to connect with as many people as possible. And I think what that does, though, is that it pushes us to be like entrepreneurs to make sure that we go out here and push our art as far as it can go. Right. So we have folks um, like your roommate, uh, DJ Sizzle, um, all these like amazing folks like starting their own events like and actually succeeding. And not just that, but I think something that I've been noticing is that uh, DJ Sizzle in particular uh, she's been connecting with folks in the East Coast, and now have a right. homie who goes by Undaki Buji, and she's creating her own like East Coast um, Undaki led like party um, or like celebration, um, right. like you know party events, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, um, and it's like taking off. And I love seeing that. Right. And it all came from like I think it was one time she was here actually in LA, and she like hung out with other undocu creators and she took it back and now there's like another artist who created the flyers like mm-hmm. an undocu artist so they it's like it's like this the work is is being done mm-hmm. but it's also creating a lot of community and i feel like that's that's the result of this this administration so if anything's going to come out of this administration is that community is going to be stronger right yeah and what i liked more about that is that i think you know, for example, I feel like as an undocumented person, we're jaded, right? Because I feel like oftentimes what ended up happening is that people kind of co-opted our voices and our struggles. We were, we weren't the ones creating yeah. our talking points when we were advocating. Yes. Like yeah. mm-hmm. in the first Dream Act, people were like, this is what you need to do and you need to just be quiet, listen to this. And now I think we reached a level that all of us are fed up with that. Yes. And it, it, we're more like, listen, if I want to cuss somebody out, I'm going to do that. And if yeah. I want to create something ratchet, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it because it reflects the voice of our community. And it's we're not all of us can sit here and be, wear a suit to go advocate in, right, right, in right. Uh, you know, in Capitol Hill. You yeah, know? I feel right. like if it, it, you're right, you'll see, like, I feel like the undocu community is fed up with respectability politics. A little They're bit. They're fucking done. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's it, right? Yeah, like, it's like, okay, thank you. Well, that actually reminds <laughs> me because that happened when I was in college. So I'm a little bit older. But for me, I'm um, seeing the undocumented stories coming out like when I was in college. This was like 2006, 2007. Eat yourself, baby. <laughs> You're <ahead>. welcome, baby. <laughs> I just gave you a big plus right now. <laughs> right, but one of the things that I started noticing was that it was um, institutions, systems that were actually collecting our stories. Yes. And, yes. and at that point, like mm-hmm. it was like a big aha for me because there was like folks that were collecting stories, narratives from undocumented folks. And then like writing books about them or creating, you know, documentaries, documentaries, specials. things like that. And I was like, well, well ho- ho- hold up. Like, this is great, but I want to tell the story in a different way. Uh, and, and I never really felt like we had the agency at that point, mm-hmm. or we didn't think we had the agency to do it. Um, and it took actually uh, a lot of years uh, until I started seeing more and more folks do that in particular when I started hearing more voices of undocu queer folks mm-hmm. really coming into the yeah. mix. And for me, like I always talk about, yes, the, the biggest lie we tell undocumented people is they have no power. Yeah. And I think we live in an era right now where there's something called cultural capital. And as an undocumented person, you need to learn how to tap into that. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm waiting for Starbucks to come out with their abolish ice coffee, you know, so and every, right, and, right, and, uh, right. 20% of this coffee will go to free somebody. <laughs> you know? All these ice lattes. <laughs> ice lattes, you know, because because I feel like that's what it's come up to. Like yeah. right now, I I, I talk this about a, a lot about how now what's selling is social justice. Like what sell, how commercialized and yeah. commodified we've made kind of social movements. So now I think it's cool. So I've heard, I always tell undocumented people, listen, if they're going to make you cry on a special, make sure you charge them for therapy. Like nothing. It, it's labor. It's physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual labor that you need to get paid for. And you need to get, you know, you need to not be afraid to ask for it. Yo, Absolutely. that's real. And I feel like growing up as undocumented folks, you're kind of, 
you're kind of scared to ask for money because you're always you're used to like taking scraps right like oh i'm undocumented so i can't ask for for that much right yeah. fuck that get your money get like your if, if there's anyone that should be getting money and like getting that yes. money it's like undocumented folks it's like hello y lo que se me hace interesante más lo que se me hace interesante más is that you know when they do these stories how fascinating people became uh with the with the whole like Um, intersectionality of immigration you're like mm. oh my god I'm looking for an undocumented trans black woman to talk about this experience or I'm looking yeah. for a, a, an Asian undocumented you know and it, it yes the story is important but it doesn't become the story I think the value is in you finding these little Pokemon undocumented folks that you want to showcase gotta catch but them all yeah gotta catch them all but it doesn't it defeats the purpose because it's not rooted in the intention of you spreading it's more of like I want to find the rarest story out there and For me, I got tired of that. I was like, I don't want to participate in that. If mm. anything, I'm going to write my own story. I'm going to write it how I want. I'm going to make fun of it. I think that's what the, the shock that a lot of people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you make fun of being undocumented because the people didn't think that we... People don't think undocumented people laugh. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about that then. Let's talk about yeah. how um, how this reflects in your work, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you use your work to kind of... Um, empower yourself right or like reclaim your power or mm -hmm. show other folks that there is joy and that there's there's a good um how do you say like there's a there's a joy in creating your own story and having um having a, a stay on your narrative yeah i make fun of it i'm sometimes i feel like being undocumented informed me like motivated my drive because mm. i've seen like you know you see your primos who grew up citizens shout out to the citizens but <laughs> pero también no the, the motivation or the drive is not there and i think this is a bigger context of americans right that we mm -hmm. see citizen children who are people of color who give up in high school they're like oh whatever i'm just gonna do whatever right but for me as an undocumented person I know I couldn't do that I have a right. family to support I grew up with my grandma I support her like for me it's like it motivated me to hustle even harder right. um, but for me more than anything it was more like how do I make fun of being undocumented because I feel like th there's so many funny scenarios and parallels for example when you're dating right you're out here on Tinder mm. and one thing that, one thing that I <laughs> always talk about is that millennials don't believe in marriage right we all out here being free and all that uh -huh. and yeah, that and, I like where this is going <laughs> and that works against us like I'm not trying to date a dude for five months and him be like oh i'm not sure you know like i'm trying to catch you in the first three weeks because i am ready i am ready for this ring i am ready i'm ready to send that little right. file right baby let's go to spain I'm, and what's your citizenship status you know I, what is, <laughs> is, it, is it green card holder what are we doing right. Pero mira, esa es la otra cosa that people think that just because you're undocumented you're desperate i know i'm not marrying nobody i marry you with pay if you have papers and good credit because i need a co-signer for these You know, these right. things these I want to things. <laughs> These things that you're trying to get. Absolutely. So I think I, I, I make fun of that. And also, like, you know, as undocumented people, because we get kind of travel, we rely on sleeping people with other countries, with foreigners. Like, oh, I'm going to go to Spain. <laughs> This guy's from Spain. This is what it would right. feel so like. Right. So it's like, so, so your, your traveling experience. Starting globally. Right. <laughs> you're, 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 you're Starting abroad. <laughs> abroad okay this is this is this is mine whenever i see people travel abroad it's like i was there so when i see my homies go to paris i was like bitch i went to the eiffel tower too i saw it on instagram right? we're like oh that was cute that was cute right so when my roommate uh when my roommate went to to paris a couple years ago so he did like a whole like euro trip And as I, they do as they do and i was like girl i'm gonna need you to take pictures i'm gonna need you to go and do like uh, facebook live all kinds of joints because i want to be there too bitch i want to go to the louvre i want to go to <laughs> sipping wine underneath the eiffel tower i've been many mad at my citizen <laughs> friends i'm like if you go to mexico and you don't bring me at least una piedrita you're xenophobic and you want me <laughs> 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 so now i'm gonna have a collection of rocks girl that's what i do i ask people to bring me rocks yeah and like i know they're trifling okay. asses they probably get the rock right before they get into the airplane Or like they're walking in a freaking airport. Or like, oh, little rock. Yeah, the fucking Cancun or whatever. I'm so, yo soy tan salada, like, desabrida. Because mm -hmm. I'm just like, don't bring me anything. That's like extra stuff oh. I gotta, like, store oh. in my house. <laughs> yeah, I've always been like this. Maybe, like, something useful. Like, if you bring me, like, okay, Mary a plate. Con Mary Kondo. Right. <laughs> Mary Kondo the shit out of this. She's like, Listen, no. like, I need some, something useful. Like, you know, a plate. A, a shot glass. A, Eh, not even well maybe yes like a shot glass but like something that i can use like okay this is what you and angeli have in common 
So when I go to D'Angeli's place, when you talk about Marie Kondo, her shit is clean. I appreciate that. What do you mean? Like your apartment is clean. Is there any like frames on the wall? No. Baby, that's, that's because we just moved in. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though. We have nothing on the walls. I mean, that's no. half because... You just moved in. We just moved in and we're still catching up. No, baby, but it doesn't matter because like your room is like clean. It's minimalist. Minimalist. I see, you know, your little pink rug and it's cute. Ba- baby, I just, I just bought my night tables, my night stands uh, this, this week. Pero um, lo que significa es que no tienes el tiradero como otras sí, personas. Oh, no, no, no. Sí, oh, sí. definitivamente no and, tiradero. Oh, uh, that irks me. If I go to a dude's house and his room is not like tidy. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm where not do you, sleeping where, with him. Where do I'm you, not. Where do you want me to sit? <laughs> <laughs> and not a, only that, you know what I've right. done? Oh my God, I'm so bad. You know what I've done? I look at their closet. Oh, to see how organized they are? Yeah, to Color see how organized they are. So yeah, you coordinate. So what? Give you uh, an example of how big their... Sat, I don't know. Like, it's what? just like... Um, their cleanliness. It turns me... When a man is clean, it turns me on. Oh. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, um, And it's like small stuff. Like, oh my God, like his like his mirror in the bathroom is like, you <laughs> know, dirty. has no like, no toothpaste on it right there's no toothpaste on the sink like oh my god so hot well por eso te digo that's the same thing because i always constantly see yossi and his stores be like bitch it's saturday i'm out here cleaning because no one likes this house mess yeah i be cleaning all the time i love cleaning my mom raised me on that like she was yeah. with the toothbrush brushing between the tiles who uh, does that you know yeah. something that a friend told me that <laughs> yeah, i yeah, yeah. that i like low-key problematic but i also low-key really understand he says um, I was like, I, I think we were talking about, it was actually his roommates. He's like, he was complaining about his roommates. And he's like, oh, like, they don't clean. Like, I always have to be the one picking. Like, if your bathtub is dirty, I'm not. Oh, God, Jesus. So he's like, always cleaning. Yeah. So he's like, always cleaning the bathtub. He's like, I'm the only one that cleans in this home. And then he's like, girl, why do you think that, like, white people hire um, Latinos to clean their we house? Cleaning That's because this we fucking, we're raised Damn. cleaning, like, squeaky clean. Like, we know how to clean. And I'm like. <laughs> Definitely. Like, I grew up, like, going to, like, these mansions to clean with my mom. Yeah. You know, like, I've been looking on Task Rabbit. you know, because a girl hires, you know, sometimes you got to buy time. I, I, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> for those for those, of those that are ignorant, what is oh TaskRabbit? TaskRabbit is an app that you can click on to hire people for specific purposes. For example, oh. I, I oh hate, I don't like. I don't like hanging frames, so I'll hire someone to come and measure what? the walls so they Stop. can hang the frames. Or like little task things, like um, IKEA. Like sometimes I don't like building shit. I have things to do. I don't have time to build this table. <laughs> right. So you ha- go on the app and you yeah. hire someone to build the table, right? And they come and they build it y lo se van. But they also have people for cleaning because sometimes I travel so much. Sometimes right. I'm like, bro, I probably need someone to at least que venga de una lavada, una sacudida. And then I, you know, I went on task rabbit y todas las de las señoras blanquitas que, and I don't trust them I was like no, yep. van, no van a limpiar mm. bien so I'm like mm, let me find a comadre cause yeah. yeah but also low key that kind of sounds like the beginning of a porn they they Girl, you know, <laughs> like, no, 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 and you need somebody to clean your kitchen. Baby, I saw that. I saw that video at Faultline. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, <laughs> listen, you see, they took me there one day. Yes. And I'm here mesmerized. There was porn on the, like, on TV. I always get shocked. I feel like I'm such a prude because I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even do that. <laughs> like, I'm, I was, there was, like, the, that was the storyline. It was, like, this guy came in and he right. was doing the dishes. And then suddenly, from one second to the other, his shirt was off because he and got he's hot. he's on top of the sink. Por and then suddenly, oh, they, were, they were doing it over the sink. I'm like, how did we get here? I need, I need, like, I need the context. story to unravel. You need the like, audio, girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't play the audio, it's just the, it's just the video. <laughs> For all of you who don't know, Fault Line is basically this, like... Leather bar? It's a leather bar. So, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like a bare leather bar. And bar. they have, like, TV screens instead of sports. It's porn. It's and a it's, lot of porn. It's gay porn. And there's a bunch of, like... Damn, you really be talking about everything on this podcast. <laughs> loose accents, baby. It's loose. <laughs> you gotta get loose. Okay, so uh, shout-outs to... Uh, my sister, who's probably going to be oh listening this, to this episode, wow. and all the fam bam, you know, if, if the fam bam is listening to this, fault line, check it out. It's an experience, immersive. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone has to go at least once to Come see on. what what you know what people do in their free time. Of course you do. So speaking of uh, free time, 
I feel like you you have like no free time, girl. Like to get you on this podcast was like I don't know two three weeks trying to figure out our, our schedules together. Yeah. So what? So, so for the for the folks that have been living under a rock, um, and do not know of you or any of your work, <laughs> tell us what what do you do? So I'm I I'm a poet. I'm a storyteller, and basically what I do, I write poems about growing up queer and undocumented. Um, I tell jokes, and right now I've been blessed to be working as a full time artist. So I travel a lot. I mainly perform in a lot of university campuses, but um, um, a lot of community spaces as well. So yeah, I've been touring for since February nonstop. Yeah. I've been traveling more than the citizens, so it's kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm finally it's a finally um com- coming down. So I'm gonna take taking July and August off to work as work on myself and. I need to develop new work, honestly. To light incest. To light incense and we build my crystals and align my right, chakras. Right, right. I said incest instead Inc- of incense. 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 Loose accents, y'all. Maybe your tu acento has been coming out so beautifully. I don't beautifully know what's going today. on. You know, usually my accent only comes out when I'm really nervous. So yo creo que la Yosti me está poniendo nerviosa. Nervous. Well, it's you, like una celebridad. Yeah. Nada que ver. Fangirly girl. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, so and then... um. So you said that you're going to be taking some time off to do you work. and develop new work. Okay. You know, like don't you yep. get tired of the same yep. poem? Like, I've been performing the same five points for the past two years. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, I need to develop new work because people are yeah. going to catch up to th- yep. uh, to this, yeah. and I need to revamp. So that of that, I've been reading a lot. So just I, I love reading. So like catching up on books or like all these things that I want to do, and yeah, just hanging at my house, cleaning, hanging out with friends, catching yeah. up with people. Like you, you know, know, I really appreciate that. Uh, if there's one thing that I can say about um you social media or following your social media is that you're always sharing the gems the good books you're always even having discussions on your stories about like what you liked about the book whenever you meet an author um a passage that you liked, like something that impacted you what you didn't like and i really appreciate that because i'm like okay i'm gonna read that yeah because i I really like books and i feel like everybody should be reading and what i also notice is you know a lot of people want to read but they don't know the levels right Mm -hmm. or the commitment Mm -hmm. because reading a book takes commitment and you know you don't want to give up in the first chapter yeah so i try to be people like this is more like a like a beach read or like you can read this in one day so i try to be very uh, aware of that because i want people to read reading is fun yeah well that's actually the other what i was gonna say to that Danjali is that um like what i appreciate about you is that you know you say you're you call yourself a storyteller a poet uh, an artist and the thing is that like i i absolutely see the work that you do um because you're constantly reading you're constantly like traveling trying to find out new ways of how to like develop your own story so i just want to tell you that i appreciate like you letting us in on how you do that kind of work you know? yeah and i think for me like right now i'm you know we have imposter syndrome i don't know if you feel like this but i feel like sometimes i read my work and i'm like oh my god this is garbage or like yeah, this is definitely. So I feel like that's every artist like but yeah. then i read other people's being like oh my god i want to write like her why can't my shit come yes, out like that's that? true that's <laughs> like, yeah that's true how did you come up with that you know mm-hmm. so right now i'm working on a new collection i'm putting it together but it's hard when you have friends that already have books out right because you're yeah. reading their work and they're mm-hmm. writing and then you're like oh my god my thing is not and then they have reviews by all these famous authors mm-hmm. and you're like I'm not that. That's not me. But but I forget that. Like, if you were to take a like, even just a step back on what you just said, like the whole idea of the possibility of you even having your own book and being it reviewed by other people, like at this stage, like what a huge accomplishment, you know, to even yeah. be at that place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's a little. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, is this real? Like, especially when I'm like reading poems to people, or when you know when people come up to me, I'm like, oh my god, I know who you are, and I'm, I get I get really embarrassed because I'm like, oh my god, what am I? How do I act? What have I been doing? What have I been doing? How to? Or when people tell me like, oh my god, I love all your Insta stories, and I'm like, oh my god, what did you see? You know, because yeah, what what Mm -hmm. did I do? Yeah, for me, I think something that folks uh, usually do is like, oh, my God, you're always teaching us on Instagram. I'm like, how? Because I'm always ranting. <laughs> I'm always like out here going off like about people that annoy me and people see that as education. I'm like, uh-huh. um, I don't know. I don't know what you're referring to. Yeah. Please don't put me on the spot. Um, I, I wanted to take a, a step back and talk about um, your one one man show. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it. I think was it last summer? Yeah, last summer we did a, a preview of the show because we're still in the process of developing it. So we decided to do just showcase where where it's at. Right. Um, and yeah, we did it. Um, Company of Angels in Boyle Heights. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, and well, I just want to tell you, and I don't think I've told you in person, but I was um, I was very proud of you. 
I was very proud of, of, of that. It was very hot in there. It was a very immersive experience in that theater because no, it was hot. But, but I, I, but so I think what, why, you know, I, I tell you that I'm really proud of you is because there was, there was a, such a, a complexity to, to that story that you took us back to like when you were like a young kid living in San Jose and like you brought up your grandma, you brought up your, your grandfather, your mom. So there were all of these like complex, beautiful characters that you like showed up. And what that did for me as another undocumented queer person in the audience was saying, we all have these incredible stories that we want to share and that they are important to share to other people because you don't know who's listening. Yeah. Right. And then for me, like, that's why it's important to bring my family into my work, even though they hate it. They're like, ya no me quieren decir nada. Ya no te voy a decir nada because you go tell everybody. But right. I'm like, no, it's not about that. It's that it connects people. One, I think we don't talk enough about undocumented elders. Las señoras que mm. no se pueden, que andan trabajando. You can see them at MacArthur Park today. I was um, taking the red line. Yeah, you know, señora with the walker. Like, she's on a walker and she's selling rosarios, beaded right. rosarios. You know, our people have a hustle mentality. They can't, you know, they don't have the luxury to so when people say we're exploiting things i'm like go to macarthur park you know and on the other side you have like these folks that are like they're taking our jobs i want to start a nonprofit in which the senoras teach these white americans who are complaining about stealing jobs how to start their own business their own <laughs> <laughs> how to make their own jugos frescos press jugos, you know right. you know it, like, and for me like that's why it's important for, um, also because we i think as undocumented people who are bilingual who have known how to politicize and how to how to articulate our undocumentedness is muy diferente que nuestros papás and our grandparents. Right. Because for them, it's just a matter of fact. It's just like, whatever, no tengo papeles y ya. But for us, we've kind of been able to create a theory behind it or something, language behind it that gives it meaning or, you know, I don't right. know. It's, it's, una, it's a weird place to sit in and understand. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it, it absolutely is understanding the the sort of the legality of like what the country politically wants you to do. But it's it's not kind of like the undergirth. It's like the actual players, the folks that are undocumented coming together and saying, I'm actually going to create like yeah. out of this despair, out of these moments of like nothingness. I'm going to create something better. I was I was writing all these poems right on my my Facebook and one of my vecinas that lives. Oh, my grandma still lives in the same apartment that we grew up in. So la vecina de abajo was like, hey, I follow you on Facebook. Pero no te entiendo nada de lo que dices. So tienes que, emprend tienes que yeah. emprender a, a traducir. And for me, translating is very hard. Because right. I write in Spanglish. Because I don't know how to, I don't know the proper, mm -hmm. do you know how to write the in Spanglish? I don't, I tried. I tried to, I'm working on a, on a, on a, on a project right now, a little chapbook. And I tried to make it bilingual. I couldn't. It's hard. muy difícil. I y lo que se me pone así, you know, uh, it's like, oh my God, how Americanized we become because I'm like, yo no, I, even cuando estamos dando entrevistas, you know, you're doing yep. interviews, y estás como que la. So the accents are real loose. Right, the loose accents. Oh my baby. God. There's, a, there's an interview with me, like when I was actually like undocumented from uh -huh. like five, six years ago. And I'm, it's, it's from Univision. It was in Spanish. I cringe. I can't watch it anymore. It came up in my Facebook memories the other day. I was like, hell. Like, I, I want to delete this forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, you said Univision? Yes. I, I remember I did an interview with uh, Jorge Ramos, right? Damn, daddy. <gasps> daddy. Okay, hello. Okay, daddy. Oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. And this is, I remember it was like one of his first episodes in the, his show that he has, Al Punto, that's mm -hmm. on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So they were like, yo, we're going to fly you to like Miami to come and like be with Jorge Ramos. And I was like, see, the way that my uh, papers work is that I can't really. Anyway, so I told them I can't do it, but I'll do it in L.A. So I went to the Univision Studios in like in L.A. And they sat me in like one of those high stools. So I'm sitting there with the high stool in a blue freaking shirt. <laughs> and there was like nowhere for me to put my hands. So they didn't tell me that the camera was going to be, like, from my chest area above. Uh -huh. So, girl, I was like, why did I put my hands together, like, if they were, like, on top of each other? But they were, at, like, at my chest. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you're, like, so awkward. Baby. So awkward. And so he was asking me all these questions about my family, and I was like, Sí, pero es que nosotros no tenemos que tener miedo. Oh and I was my, like, because you thought it was a death. <laughs> oh my God. It was the worst. Cringe. It was the worst. Cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but we have to. We no have more to. interviews <laughs> in español. Yeah. I've been practicing, though. I've been trying to practice. Porque I, I, I got a chance to go back to Mexico on advanced parole. So I actually got right. to back, go when, the, when that program existed. And that was, what, like mm-hmm. a year and a half ago? Uh-huh. ago? I went, yeah, I went two, 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 three years ago. And it was amazing. I got to see where I was born. I'm like, oh, That's my God. beautiful. Yeah. I saw, you know, because I, I don't know your family, but I, um, my abuelita used to get VHS tapes. Que le mandaba yeah. mi tío. And he would record, like, las calles. Mm-hmm. El Zócalo, todas esas cosas. And my grandma would play all the time. I would be so annoyed. I'm like, girl, why do you want to watch that video? Like, it has no plot. There's no, <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> no storyline in this movie because she liked watching her yeah. house or her pueblo. Like, Aww. it was really it was really cute to see that. Um, and I to go back and to experience that. But it yeah. was interesting because, you know, I went back and I realized how American I, I was. I'm like, I don't think I could live in Guerrero, Guerrero. I don't think I could make it. It happened to me too when when I went to visit after twelve years. Um, it happened like I I felt I felt like crap. Like I, it was it was weird because I I, I felt like I was I was getting flashbacks mm. of my childhood, um, and I was remembering things that I that I kind of suppressed because I was undocumented and I knew that I couldn't go back. So being there brought back a lot of memories. And the first thing I thought about, like the first thing, my first thought when I walked into my grandmother's house in the DR was, oh shit, like, mm. so we're poor, poor. Girl, like in my head, I'm like this, because as a kid, I remembered it so much bigger yeah. because I was smaller. Uh-huh. I go in there 5'8", and the ceilings are so low. The bedroom that I used to sleep in is so small, like barely anything fits in there. And I'm like, and I literally called my mom and I'm like, mom, like we really come from humble backgrounds. Because as a kid, I had everything I needed. Uh I had food, I had shelter. I was happy. But going back, I'm like, oh, crap. And it's not that doesn't mean that I can't live there because of that. But it's just a matter of survival. I can't survive there anymore. I don't know how to. I don't have the tools. And then for me, like, it was the same thing. I grew up in the hood. I grew up sleeping on the living room floor of a two-bedroom apartment, roaches. You know, the hood, hood, hood. You know? I grew up like that. And that experience compared to going back was death. Poverty yeah. looks very different yeah. in these two yeah. places. Yep. So it looked very, I was like sitting there like, oh my God, like this is, it. you know, American, I went to go shower and I was like, tia, <laughs> No tienen agua caliente. <laughs> me too. I, me too. Girl, and, me too. And my tía was like, first, it's hella hot. So why do you want to yes. shower with hot-ass water? And two, si quieres agua caliente, ponla en un... It, put it in something. a in, right. in ese, and heat it una up. Olla. I was like in una olla. Y luego te, te bañas a, with a cubetazos, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yes. That yes. was me. Yes. That was me in Mexico. Oh, my God. And then, so in the yard, we have, we store our water in what's called a tanque, which is like yeah. a huge well, right? Uh-huh. And it's like on top of the house. Um. So in the in the day, you know, the yard is in the Caribbean, so it's so hot that the water is warm. Uh-huh. By the time 8 p.m., 9 p.m. comes, like that, you're like Second the water world. is freezing cold. Yeah. Who's gonna heat it up? You're really gonna waste gas heating up water so you could shower. Yeah. Throw that shit on, like throw that shit on, like on you the way and it you is. You know period. these are like three minute showers, like bloop, yeah, bloop, 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 yeah. Bloop, bloop. You don't it's even think about here, it. Girl, you have you to like, take a candle. deep breath. You take yeah. a deep breath right before, and you're like. <sighs> no, that's that's actually yep. exactly the same thing. Like in, in in my house in Mexico, like we used to have uh los tambos. So we had these like tambos, these like really big like metal containers outside of our house. And it was two of them. And both of them were like cold water. So right before we were going to go take a shower, we would do the same thing. Heat up the water, put it in an olla, and then we would put it in another balde, another big bucket. Yamonos. You know, just like straight up just pouring the water on you. And I remember, and I talked about this in a, ne- in a previous episode, that one of the first things that I remember coming to the U.S. was how much I love taking showers, girl. It's like such a luxury. No That's true. It's That's such real. A it's a luxury. One, one big thing for me, I think we spoke about, we've spoken about it before, was like after migrating, the fact that you never lost electricity here. Oh. Like, like in my country, you get electricity for like a few days of the day, a few hours of the day, and then that's it. Here it's like oh shit, unlimited like light, like unlimited la luz, right? Right, la luz. Yeah. Unless you live in the hood and someone be playing with the little things, or someone <laughs> crashes into the light pole. <laughs> you know that's that's like an LA thing. When I saw like a blackout for the first time here, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, is this? in blackout. New York we can't. New York had a blackout in like 2003. Oh, I saw that. Like a month uh, a month before I I migrated actually, and people went crazy. They were shootings. People were Girl. dead. Like people didn't know what to do. 
And I think it's because New York is so concentrated. So yeah. everywhere. So I wanted to ask, because uh, so you said something you'll see earlier that was really cool. You said, you know, the the idea that there that we could be here in this room together, right? Like you who grew up in the Bay, Danjeli who grew up in the East Coast, I who grew up in the South Bay here in LA area. Like the idea that these sort of three different trajectories of undocumented people could come together at one point is, is kind of out of my mind. And so I wanted to ask Danjeli and also Yossi, like how have y'all seen uh, Latinidad, the, the idea of Latinidad and undocumented experiences sort of like connect in, in, in different ways? So like you mm -hmm. and in the Bay Area? Well, for me, like, well, I mean, when I was growing up, I grew up in a predominantly undocumented community. So mm -hmm. most of the people, I've never, when I hear people saying, like, I was the first person that I was, I couldn't tell anybody, that wasn't my narrative because legit, Everybody, Everybody on my blog was undocumented. But uh, we grew up uh, um, predominantly Mexicanos, but predominantly what's interesting about the background where I grew up in, it was we're from Guerrero. We're from southern Mexico, right? And what's interesting that I grew up with a lot of people from Puebla and from Oaxaca. A lot of these folks were indigenous folks, so mm -hmm. actually Espanol was their second language. So it was interesting. Oh, wow. It was interesting to grow up in that. That was in my story because we were from Guerrero. But even that, like, they were all undocumented. We were all undocumented. But even to see growing up how anti-indigenous uh mexicans can be yeah and you know and and i didn't know that you know i didn't know that there was a difference between the the languages um but i i definitely remember definitely remember that and then as i got older and became more aware of that well you know the phenomena that immigration or undocumentedness is not just a latino thing right it, i'm like meeting undocumented asian folks and documented black folks and and all of that it was like a huge concept but i feel like even now if you're like undocumented and are not aware of like the social political climate or the movement or whatever undocumented folks are fighting for there's still like this kind of understanding that it's just a mexican thing you yeah. know like or yeah, definitely. So for me, um, I mean, growing up in New York, I, I, I mean, I grew up in an undocumented family, right? So there were undocu undocumented folks where I knew they were there, just people were not open. It, there wasn't this like right. unapologetic um, narrative around me. I, I, you know, I was pretty much like in the shadows, right? Mm -hmm. God. <laughs> that's been overused living but. in the shadows <laughs> of so yeah, so else's i was dream. in the shadows for most of my life until like college when i came out to like a professor um and i began storytelling and actually you know um sharing my my undocumented story but most of the time it was i think i think the, the reason why i felt so um so scared to come out was because i didn't see people like me coming out mm. Um, even people in my community, like Dominicans, were not out in the news. When you saw undocumented folks or undocumented communities on TV, on Univision, on Telemundo, they were mostly Mexicans and Central American. And something very interesting is that, and I noticed that when I moved to L.A., is that in New York, Mexican folks te tend to be indigenous um or descendants of indigenous folks, right? Mm. When I moved to the West Coast, this is like the first time Actually, no, because I went to Mexico first. But the first time in the U.S. that I saw so, like, such a variety of Mexican folks. My first exposure to folks outside of, like, the novelas, right, of seeing, like, white Mexicans was when I was in Mexico City. Stranded, by the way. <laughs> but it lot. was, like, I was walking around Mexico City. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, people look like, like they do novelas. Right. Right? Um, so not seeing myself um, on TV kind of like led me to remain in the shadows for a longer time. Mm -hmm. um, and also I didn't see any black people coming out, like any African folks, uh, undocumented African folks um, coming out of the shadows. Yeah. And that's why I'm so appreciative of like um, organizations like UndocuBlack. Mm -hmm. uh, because oh, now- Shout out to Jonathan. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Jonathan, definitely. That's my, oh, love him. We love you, girl. Uh, so, you know, like, shout out to them because like that was the first time that i started seeing myself in the movement yeah. they've created that space for themselves and for us right um so yeah it was it was very different for me growing up i didn't have a big community for undocumented folks that looked like me and now that you are sort of in this context here in la because it's absolutely very very mexican centric and you and i have had many a conversations about that um have you found that it's been uh, worse or better than you had anticipated or expected? I think I came prepared um, for, hmm. 
I don't know. I, I feel like I was preparing myself knowing that I was going to move to L.A. A lot of people warned me that I was not going to find people that share my background mm-hmm. um, or that were like even black Latinos overall, like black Puerto Ricans, um, black Hondurans. Like I just I knew that I wasn't going to have access to um, black Latinidad as much as I was going to do in, in the East Coast. What I didn't expect was that the racial divide was going to be so blatant, that it was yeah. going to be so out there. Mm-hmm. Like people literally don't know that black Latinos exist. Mm-hmm. And something that I've, you know, that I've said multiple times on my Instagram is that many times I don't blame them. I think I had a discussion actually with my friend Alejandro, he's Afro-Dominican as well, um, where he he spent some time in, in L.A. and he was very, very frustrated. And I'm like, there's something very important that we have to talk about when we're discussing race and especially black Latinidad and blackness. And it's that you have to take into consideration geography and space. You have to look at the way that people grew up and whether they're exposed to blackness and how they've been exposed to blackness. Because me coming from the DR, I didn't know I was black. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other conversation. But like blackness for me didn't exist. I I looked in the mirror and I did not see a black woman. I did not see a black girl. I saw a Dominican and I saw a Latina, period. Right. Um, And it wasn't until I learned what blackness was that I realized, okay, wait, I fit this box. I, I fit because most of my family are Afro-descendant, right? Right. Um, so I think there, there needs to be a conversation about, like, we can't expect, like, Mexican tias yeah. who grew up around white and indigenous folks, right? Um, not seeing black people on TV because we're not on there, even on Univision or Telemundo, to know that, like, black Latinos exist and that's a, that's a big conversation to be had about representation and where we should be and how we should be represented in the media but like we can't I have y'all I'm frustrated no I know because, you know you know what I mean because it's like I feel like a lot of folks talk a lot about like um like non-black Latinos yeah. um like they talk a lot of shit about non-black Latinos knowing that there's you know that it's black Latinos but like how are you gonna blame a tia who like didn't have access, access to education yeah. who like migrated who was too busy too busy surviving she wasn't opening up a, a theory book about yeah. blackness to understand that like and also when the dialogue is in English and then that's another thing Spanish I, speakers, yeah exactly you know? when like even Dominicans themselves who are black don't understand that they're black how do you expect someone mm-hmm. who didn't grow up around black Latinos to get that as well you know the first Spanish speaking um black person that I saw on TV. I don't know if you remember this novela Marimar. Yeah. Yeah. She had a, a mujer that helped her have her baby. And it was a, a it was a black woman, but it was the character of a mammy. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, you can it it's I remember oh my God, I specifically so, like, so like the explicit racism. Yeah, it was, was really explicit so in the way that yeah. Marimar had this mujer uh, the character of a mammy help her give birth, right? And then yeah. um remember Celia Cruz had a novela El alma no tiene color. Sí, 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 oh, sí. I don't remember that. <laughs> Celia Cruz was in the novela. She it was called El alma no tiene color. She was the nanny to this little super blue eye. Celia Cruz was the nanny. Celia Cruz was a nanny girl, and 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 she was the the nanny to this white girl, um, this oh black Me- white Mexican. Le pusieron de la mano de color because you know we're we're colorblind. Yeah. So and so you know the first time that I saw black people in a novela was like oh my god it's so bad La Esclava y Saura. Who remembers that oh novela? Where it was well, like wasn't she this was like a Brazil, like a Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, I think, Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was like, yeah, yeah. It was Como like translated. Chica. Yeah, but basically, Chica. she she was this like mixed one. slave, yeah. right? That was like La Esclava y Saura. She was like a house slave, and be, it was because she was so light. But everyone else around her was was like black like the slaves that were like outside and like that loki took care of her right um were were like darker and then i will never forget there was this man um this black man that like i think she fell in love like that fell in love with her but she only saw him as a friend oh. and that was like the narrative right was también like no, no te acuerdas uh, uh carrusel uh, was it oh my god honestly that was the most heartbreaking show ever i hated that show because how I'm they treated 
el Carrusel de las Américas. Yeah, tenía, it was like yeah. a group of, of kids in kids. elementary school. Yeah. And they all had a different storyline. Pero había un niño. ¿Cómo se llamaba? No I sé. forget his name, he but was it was black. Like, a, like the poor black He was a poor. Boy. His dad was like a mechanic or something. But there was a scene that they traumatized him so much. Even, I don't know who wrote that. They yeah. traumatized him so much que quería piel blanca que se bañó con leche. You know, like things oh that gosh. were so. It's like, it's absolutely like racist trauma. Racist and traumatic yeah. and horrible. And this is Mexican show, right? So these are the first. Imagine these are the examples that people are. Our parents, our grandparents are watching, and and on top of that, the hyper kind of visualization that black folks get on TV or in the news of yeah. like, oh, don't go to Oakland or don't go to South Central, or, don't right. go to these spots because they're very dangerous. So I think it's yeah. a combination between all of that que crea todo este pedo. Something that I can say is that um, having migrated to migrated Jesus, haven't moved to West Coast, right? Is that I, especially moving to South Central, um, is that I saw a divide between brown and black folks that I've never experienced in my life. Yeah. Because yeah. like in New York, I, I kind of fell in the middle. It's like in, in New York, I mean, black Americans see that I'm black, but they know that most Dominicans don't call themselves black, so they just say Dominicans really? or Spanish. Yeah. So so black Americans call, call us Spanish, Spanish in the East Coast. And it's like, it's 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 basically synonymous to Latino or Hispanic, right? Um, and you know, I was just another Spanish girl. I was never read as a black woman in in New York. Um, but having moved to the to LA, I think was something that I realized like, oh shit, like people. I mean, they see that I'm I'm some kind of mix, and right. many times they think I'm like they've they've asked me if I'm black again before, which I find very interesting, um, or if I'm biracial, like. Black but nobody's white. ever like, are you Spanish? Um, Not around here, right? Yeah, I no, think that once. Yeah. Um, actually, the other day, actually this week, I went to get, I went to a, a Mexican spot to buy food, and this like black woman came up to me and she grabbed my hair. I, this is the first time a black woman had grabbed my hair. <laughs> she like dick, like, but I mean, knowing her, I didn't even know she was behind me. She like touched my hair and she's like, hmm, this is kind of dry. Yo, she was so shady. Oh my god. She's like, yeah, this is kind of dry. You need to, you know, put the right products in. I'm like, um, it's cause I had it, I had it like in a fro, like when I, like this weekend, like right. I, I purposely like combed it out. And she's like, mm, yeah, you need to use Contu. And then she's like, where are you from? I'm like, oh, um, uh, um, I'm from New York. And they're like, no, you, you Spanish. And that was the first time I was like, okay. And it was a black woman. Right. Wow. And usually it's black Americans that say Spanish in, in, <laughs> in the East Coast. Well, you know what's really interesting is that like here in particular here in like South LA, South LA is, is a neighborhood that's absolutely changing. And for uh, yeah. a city who has been historically populated by black folks, like coming you know from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, they have a really, really long history of living and residing um, here. Now you're absolutely seeing uh, an influx of 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 migrants, of immigrants from Mexico, from Central America. And so one of the things that I experience a lot at work, uh, because I work in an organization that that works to empower both of these communities, is is that friction that you're discussing, the friction of like yeah. black and brown. And so we're constantly talking about building um, bridges between black and brown folks. And and one of the things that I found very interesting and uh, you know, at work, we, we did a, a kind of a political study about migration, right? So the migration of like black, like African-American folks from the south of the 1910s and 1920s coming from mm -hmm. like the deep, deep south and forcefully migrating to, to the west to find places like L.A. coming to other places in the in the West Coast um, is has similarities to the persecution of, of immigrants that are coming from Mexico or from Central America. They're, they're not the same, but they have, they have similar threads, right? And, and the main thread about it is, is really around like family reunification, escaping like laws, escaping poverty. I mean, in, in the case of African-Americans, it was more about like escaping like lynchings, violence towards like their black bodies. And so it, it comes to no surprise then that when you have these two large groups of, of migrants and immigrants from different places that cohabitate in one place, they bring with them all of their traumas, right? They bring with them all of these histories and traditions of, of exclusion, of segregation, of violence. And when we're sort of living in the same kind of situation, it's like, how can I recognize that the other person is just like me? And you I know? think I think that also that's 
that's also something that I something that I always kind of add on is also geography, right? Because I feel right. like even geographically, the way that LA is laid out, there is there's so much space here that it allows for people to live in segregated areas. Yeah. Right. You know, it allows for people to live in one section and all the folks in another section. And New York is so concentrated that in one floor of a building, you'll have Dominicans. On the second floor, you have Puerto Ricans. On the third floor, you have Black Americans. On the fourth floor, you have Guyanese. So there's, you know, That's there's a, a constant mix yeah. of people. You have to be in each other's space. I feel like in L.A., because things are so spread out, yeah. you can be in an area and never have to speak English. Right. Right. You can be in, in another space and never have to interact with someone who's Mexican. So I feel like that's the way that geography kind of starts shaping um, culture and it allows for people to remain segregated as well. Yeah, I, I really love what this conversation is going. And hopefully in the next couple of episodes, we will um, bring some other folks who will particularly talk about blackness in the way that that blackness has been experienced through a multitude of peoples. Right. Not just like Latin Latinos. Uh, not just like other undocumented folks, but just how it it has appeared and, and been in our lives. So thank you yeah. for contributing to this convo. Uh, Yossi, I'm going to finish off with this. Um, as you're sort of traveling, you know, you say you're taking a little bit of a break and you're being going to you're going to be travel. You've been traveling, excuse me, over the last couple of months. Um, where do you see your work sort of heading in this next phase of, of you as an artist? Well, I would definitely want I want I want a book out. I want my book to I want to publish a book and want my play. But I think right now, I don't know. I'm in this weird phase of like, what do I do next? Like right now, it's cool, it's awesome. But I think I always in the back of my mind I always have this immigrant mentality. Like I need to get a real job or like <laughs> I need to work for somebody. But um, I don't know. I just hope that I create a, a solid body of work that people can look back and be like, wow, that that touch me or that that really showcases the full complexity of who I am as a queer person, as an undocumented person. Um, and yeah, I just want to create a body of work that one is not elite, you know, because sometimes poetry can be a little elitist. It could yeah. be a very mm -hmm. <laughs> space that yeah, 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 a yeah. lot of people don't understand. But I want, you know, for example, I want my book to last La Vecina de Mi Abuelita to pick it up and be like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of him. Or like I want I want it to be accessible like that. Right. So I hope that I'm creating a body of work that transcends an audience and it's also it's being read by people like me, people like my grandma. I want my tias, my my tios to pick it up and be able to see themselves reflected because very interesting right we created this body of work and sometimes it's very it's in english yeah. and we forget that our own people need work too right so i'm very much working on that and hopefully it doesn't become too elitist well we're really looking forward <laughs> to to seeing how uh, your play turns out this body of work more poems uh more travels hopefully and all the best of love and success to you. Saludos a tu abuelita. Oh, yes. My little grandma. Yeah, every, everybody loves her. She's like she's a star. In, she's in the famous. Yeah, she really is a star. She's so sweet. I, I love know. Her. Okay, well, thank you for having me. And, you know, before I go, we got to say God bless America. I'm done. <laughs> just in case. Just in just case in anyone's case. listening. Just in case God just bless America. I love I'm this working. country, this freedom I'm feeling right now. Thank you for these opportunities. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I kind of wanted him to do like a shimmy while he said that. Like, thanks, America. <laughs> facts are facts, America. That's right. That's right. Listen, y'all, uh, we will be releasing new episodes every Monday of every two weeks. And the next episode should be coming to you live on July 1st. Thank you all. All of those who came for a People Power Convention. It was an amazing event. Yes, it was. A lot of love community building community building and so much knowledge so yeah. much education and yo like the folks that actually came out there was over 500 people that came out to support and a lot of them were actually you know came actually to your workshop so that's super super dope baby if you were there yes. thank you so much uh, also, congratulations. I want to take this moment to congratulate my nephew, Leonel, who is graduating as we speak at this moment. So I just wanted to, to, to shout that out because, um, you know, our nieces and nephews, they are the next generation. So shout outs to the fam for completing uh, this high school graduation. And Leonel, I love you uh, and keep up the good work. 
and talking about um, the next generation. Uh-huh. Uh, I have an opportunity for y'all. Um, so there's something called Crossing Borders. It's a new publication. Um, and they're basically trying to center um, unconventional immigration stories. So outside of the narrative that um, has dominated the immigration movement for so long. So they're looking for um, folks who are uh, from the Midwest and the East Coast, Afro-Caribbean, Pacific Islanders, Central and South Americans, um, descendants and centers. Um, so cute. yeah, and the deadline is July fifteenth, and it's paid. Hello. So what's up? Get that money. Okay. Okay. The website is crossingborders.com, and I will be posting on my personal Instagram the flyer as well as loose accents. And thank you so much. Yeah, I want to do one last shameless plug. Shameless plug. Do it, baby. Listen. Uh, by the time that this episode comes out, I would have came back from delivering a commencement speech at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So if y'all she's check doing big it out, uh, she's doing commencement speeches, baby. Commencement girl, you know, sending the youth out. Okay. <laughs> you got to get these undocumented stories on the main stage. So by the time that this comes out, if y'all have some photos, please send them our way. Uh, you can always check us out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Baby, you forgot Spotify. We're legit, legit. Oh, we on Spotify? We're legit, legit. Hey. So follow us on Instagram, Loose Accent. I am on DocuBay. I am Afro Dominican Extinct. And Yossi, what's your handle? Tell the people. Yossi Ray, Y O S I R E Y. She spelled it out. Just in case. <laughs> follow the girls. Thank you so much, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And this was Loose, Loose Accents. Accents.